Hi, this is Alex Cord. I've done about uh, 300 television shows and about 30 feature films and written several novels, and I am going to be this week's guest on On Screen and Beyond. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. Welcome to On Screen and Beyond and our annual holiday movie preview. I'm Brian Zemrak. This is episode 80 of On Screen and Beyond. And this week, we look at some of what's coming your way as far as movies for the holiday season. And this week, also, our interview segment, we speak with Alex Cord, who, of course, starred in the 80s TV show Airwolf, along with Ernest Borgnine and Jan Michael Vincent. And Alex talks about that that show, and he also talks about his career, his writing, and a whole lot more. You're going to love it. Stick around. It's coming up in just a little bit right here on Screen and Beyond. Right now, let's get right into our look at some of the movies you'll be enjoying this holiday season right here on On Screen and Beyond. Please hang up and try again. Remake Madness this holiday season, November 6th, The Box with Cameron Diaz, James Marsden, and Frank Langella hits theaters. It's about a mysterious stranger who gives a family a box, which if they push a button on it, they will receive $1 million. But somewhere in the world, somebody will die. Well, will they or won't they? It's rated PG-13, and the story previously had been an episode of an anthology TV series. Also on November 6th, Disney's A Christmas Carol, starring Jim Carrey, Gary Oldman, and Colin Firth, retells the story of Scrooge with filmmaker Robert Zemeckis at the helm. This time, it's in 3D with Zemeckis' computer animation technique he used in the Polar Express. And the Three Stooges are remade this fall on November 20th, starring Sean Penn, Jim Carrey, and Benicio Del Toro as Mo, Larry, and Curly, and also look for a remake of the Sherlock Holmes story featuring Robert Downey Jr. as the famous character, and it arrives in theaters on December 25th. That's about it for Remake Madness this holiday season, and coming up next, we'll be looking at new stories on films on this holiday season right here on On Screen and Beyond. Well, as far as movies with a new story, or somewhat new story, coming your way this holiday season, November 6th, The Fourth Kind lands in theaters with the story of alien abduction set in Nome, Alaska. And 2012 arrives on November 13th to tell us the story of Global Cataclysm, starring John Cusack. That's about the the Mayans and the end of time and all that sort of stuff. And Planet 51 arrives to tell us the story of creatures from another planet worried about alien invasions. And it comes true when a U.S. astronaut lands there. It's a computer-animated movie, and it's uh, rated PG, and it's in theaters on November 20th. And The Blind Side, starring Sandra Bullock and Kathy Bates and Tim McGraw, in a film based on a true story about a homeless African-American boy taken in by a well-to-do white family and their trials and tribulations as he becomes an all-American offensive tackle and a first-round draft pick in the 2009 NFL Draft. Look for it on November 20th. And Disney's 
The Princess and the Frog arrives on November 25th as a return to the traditional 2D animation for the first time in many years. And also on November 25th, look for Old Dog starring Robin Williams and John Travolta in a comedy about two friends, one divorced, one a bachelor, who uh, must take in, a, uh, in care for two children while dealing with the biggest business deal of their lives. And uh, it should be a good win, John Travolta and Robin Williams. And uh, let's see, one last new film starring Meryl Streep, Steve Martin, and Alec Baldwin called It's Complicated in a comedy about divorce, love, and a whole lot more. And that's it. Uh, coming up next on uh, On Screen and Beyond, we're going to look at sequels coming out this holiday season right here on On Screen and Beyond. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. As far as sequels this holiday season, on November 20th, the Twilight Saga New Moon arrives... A lot of people excited about that one. About the further adventures of Bella, vampires, werewolves. It stars Kristen Stewart, of course, and Taylor Lochner, who, of course, we have had twice as a guest on On Screen and Beyond, and you can hear those interviews uh, in our past uh, podcast return reruns rather uh, section. Just go to our website, onscreenandbeyond.com, and click on the button that says OSB podcast reruns and then you can scroll down there and you can find two different interviews with taylor lautner and he talks about uh, the uh, twilight and he talks about his uh, earlier pictures and things like that and let's see and finally here uh alvin and the chipmunks to the squeakle 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 <laughs> okay it makes its way into theaters on december 25th as the chipmunks compete against the chipettes in a $100,000 Battle of the Bands. And that's it for the holiday season preview from On Screen and Beyond. Now we're going to go into our interview with Alex Cord of Airwolf. A lot of you remember him from that. He played Archangel, and he had the patch on the eye and the whole bit. Um, he's got a, some great stories to tell. Uh, he talks about uh, his career, how he started, and uh, Ernest Borgnine. And he talks about a whole lot of different things, but things he's up to now. Busy guy. You know you're going to like it. It's coming up next, right here on On Screen and Beyond. My guest today on On Screen and Beyond has, over the years, guest starred on numerous TV shows such as Laramie, Route 66, Branded, Night Gallery, Gunsmoke, and Mission Impossible, just to name a few. He is widely known for playing Michael Archangel Coldsmith Briggs III on the 80s series Airwolf. It's Alex Cord. Welcome to On Screen and Beyond, Alex. Well, thank you very much, Brian. Yeah, it's great to have you here. And Alex, I noticed looking over your career that Westerns have played a lot uh, of what you've been in. Have you always had a love of Western-style shows when you were growing up? Absolutely. Uh, ever since I, uh, I can remember anything, uh, 
I wanted to be a cowboy. Really? Yeah, and uh, I grew up uh, riding horses. My parents put me on a pony when I was two years old. Wow. And uh, my mom has a photo of that, and I'm grinning from ear to ear. And in the background, there's another kid on a pony, and he's crying, wanting to get off. <laughs> I loved it from that time on, and I've been a serious horseman all my life. Wow, yeah. And in fact, uh, uh, we uh, have a modest horse ranch here in North Texas. Mm-hmm. So you, you, you've... So I have become a cowboy. Right. <laughs> so your whole life revolves around the horses and everything? Yeah. I played uh, professional polo for 20 years. Ah, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And in fact, uh, James Drury, when we interviewed him, he talked about uh, at one time playing polo for the first time and how hard it was. <laughs> it's very difficult. Yeah. Yep. Uh, it's, uh, one time I... I uh, wrote a line, I'm trying to remember, uh, oh, I'll think of it later, I can't think of it right now, but it was something about how um, uh, in order to play polo, you've got to ride like a Comanche, you have to think like a chess player in a fraction of a second, hmm. you've got to hit a ball that's never where you want it to be with the accuracy of Arnold Palmer, while three other guys are trying to break your kneecap. <laughs> and you're riding a racehorse at 40 miles an hour. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, it, polo is uh, by far uh, the most uh, challenging uh, equine event that anybody can be involved in. And, and you've been doing that for a long time? I did it for 20 years. Wow. But... Uh, I also have uh, ridden a lot of cutting horses and a team rope now. I can't afford to play polo anymore. Somebody once said that uh, polo is a disease for which the only cure is poverty. <laughs> and that is the truth. Uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, you have to have six or eight horses to play seriously. And, oh, really? Yeah. Change horses every chucker, which is a, uh, about, it averages out to be about a 10 minute period of play, and there are six in a game, so you need a fresh horse for every one. Why? Is it because the horses get tired quite? Yeah, because you, you're just going at a flat gallop all the time. Wow. You're stopping and turning and getting bumped. And, uh, it's, it's, a, it's very, very challenging. But I, all, most of my friends here are cowboys, and uh, team roping is something that you can do with one horse, so that's what I do now is I rope steers. Oh, yeah. 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 So do you go around to rodeos and things? Yeah. Uh, oh. Yeah, quite a lot, yeah. Wow. Yeah. It, I'm, uh, I'm getting a little long in the tooth to be doing it, but I'm <laughs> doing it. I'm not, I'm not very good, but I have a great time trying. Uh, as long as you're having fun, that's the main thing. Yeah, that's, that's it. Do you ever get hurt doing that? Uh, not roping, but playing polo, yeah. Oh, really? Polo is, is uh, dangerous? Oh, polo. It, you put, it, there was a magazine article uh, 
Well, several years ago, I think it might have been Sports Illustrated, where they talked about uh, dangerous sports. And in terms of uh, deaths and uh, serious injuries, polo is the second most dangerous sport in the world. Wow. Yeah. Jeez. When you think about uh, how few people play polo, uh, there's an average of uh, uh, four people killed every year. Wow. I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah. It's deadly game. Uh, you're going almost 40 miles an hour mm -hmm. uh, on a racehorse, and, uh, uh, and the field is the size of nine football fields. Wow. <laughs> so you can get rocking and rolling out there. It's like hockey on horseback. Right, yeah. But you have the added thing of a, of a thousand pound horse on you. <laughs> so if a horse falls, when going 40 miles an hour, you could be in a hell of a wreck. Right, yeah, jeez. Yeah. Huh. Now, with all your love of horses and, and, and all that, uh, how did you get to start getting into acting? Uh, I, was, I was always interested in, uh, I read a lot, and I was always interested in the printed word, so, or the written word, I should say, and I... So I, I was in college and uh, I was studying English literature, and uh, all of the pretty girls were in the dramatic arts department. <laughs> so, uh, and it was easy for me to take some elective courses like uh, voice and diction and history of the theater and that sort of thing. So I gradually kind of uh, I did that. One of my professors, uh, he had to get up and uh, read some poetry and stuff in front of the class. And I was always pretty shy about that. I mean, but uh, I was so fascinated by uh, Shakespeare in mm -hmm. particular. And this professor, she was just great, a great communicator. And uh, you always had the feeling that she had had dinner with uh, William Shakespeare the night before the class. Yeah. You know, she just took all the mystery out of it. Anyway, and uh, so they were going to do a play, and she always said, she said, you, you know, you really should think about being an actor. I thought it was the most absurd thing I'd ever heard. Mm. First of all, I thought I, I thought you had to be a lot better looking than I was, and I thought that... Uh, there was no way that I could get up in front of people and do that. But anyway, they were doing a play, and uh, one of the pretty girls that I was trying to make a run at was in the play. And uh, she said, you know, there's a small part in this play, and you ought to do it. And I did. And that was the start. I think I only had about three or four lines. But I got such a kick out of being up on that stage and uh -huh. giving the audience applause and everything. And that's how I started. And then I was, uh, uh, I was going to school in uh, New York in Greenwich Village at Washington Square College. And there were lots of little theaters down there. And uh, that's how I started, <laughs> uh, working in off-Broadway plays eventually got to the American Shakespeare Festival at Stratford, Connecticut, which was 
very confused at the beginning. And uh, one thing led to another, and it was always a, it was a very slow uh, but steady climb. Yeah. Uh, you know, to, to eventually being able to star in some movies. Hmm. So, so, I mean, we talk with so many different people here, and, and a lot of them say, well, you know, my mother had me in acting classes and piano and all this. And, but what it comes down to, when Alex Cord, what made him go into acting was the pretty girls in the class. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's true. And nobody in my family ever had anything to do with the theater. Yeah. That, that, uh, I paid my way through college uh, working as a bricklayer. Oh, yeah. My father was a bricklayer, and uh, he taught me that trade, mm -hmm. and uh, I was very good at it, yeah. uh, so I took it seriously. You know, one of the things I learned in life early on, I guess I don't know that I learned it, I think I just had it, was that uh, no matter what I was doing, I always took pride in doing it well. Mm-hmm. You know, I never, I don't care, you know, uh, I clean stalls here at our ranch on days when we don't have help, which is very often. Uh, and when I'm uh, cleaning those stalls and picking up horse manure with a fork, uh, I clean those stalls really well. Mm -hmm. I don't look for a shortcut. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but every once in a while, while I'm pushing a wheelbarrow full of horse manure out to the pile, I think, uh, what happened to the sunglasses in the limousines <laughs> that I used to use? <laughs> yeah. uh, do you remember what your first movie or your first TV show was that you acted? Oh, yeah, very well. Which, yeah. What was it? Yeah, uh, the first uh, TV show was Naked City. Mm -hmm. in New York, which was a big time hit show, you know, it was, uh, it was like uh, what Hill Street Blues was, or whatever, you know, any of those yeah. uh, big hit police shows. Yeah. Now, was was that after that was uh, modeled after the movie, The Naked City? Not. Well, I don't know of a movie called The Naked City. Yeah. The, yeah. There was one. I, I wasn't sure. I thought that was what it was modeled after, but I'm not I positive. No, this was a TV series, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, I'm not aware of any movie, and I did several of them, so I mean, I was around that show quite a bit, Yeah. but I'm not aware of uh, having anything to do with a movie. Oh, uh, okay. It was a great show that we filmed it all over the streets of New York, and uh, all wonderful actors, I mean, guys who were legendary actors, Luther Adler, uh, oh my God, any, any actor, well, and the directors that uh, came out of that became hugely successful directors. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a great time to, uh, to work in, in television. Yeah. Now, when I, I noticed here that you worked, uh, you co-starred with Kirk Douglas? Yeah. And, the Brotherhood, yeah. What was it like working with, you know, such a film legend? <laughs> well, I tell you, you know, uh, when I got the part, uh, it, and it was a big part. I mean, it was, I was co-starring right, yeah. the movie with him. And uh, a lot of guys, uh, Festus, uh, 
after that part. And when I got the part, I used to go to a health club in uh, Beverly Hills called the, what was it, Beverly Hills Health Club. And uh, a lot of actors went there to work out. And uh, so I had a lot of friends there, and we all were in the business, and we all knew what the other guys were doing. So when I got the part in the Brotherhood, uh, these guys all said, oh, man, uh, you are going to have such a tough time with that guy. He's a monster. He's that tough guy, and he owns the company. And he did. It was his production company. And, oh. all that. and uh, so needless to say, when I went to work the first day to meet Kirk Douglas, I can't tell you how terrified I was. <laughs> I just thought, oh, man, but I'm going to do it. I'm working with a legend. You're right, yeah. And the director was a great guy, Academy Award winner, uh, Martin Ritt. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, from the very, very first day, Kirk could not have been kinder and uh, more of a gentleman and... Uh, and what I'm, I really felt like he was my brother. Uh -huh. And uh, the best part of it, uh, what sums it up, was that at the very end of the movie, it was all about the mafia. Mm -hmm. uh, so there was a, a bit of Italian spoken in the movie. And uh, Luther Adler was in that movie. Uh, and, uh, uh, Jacob, uh, Jacob Adler. Anyway, at the end of the movie, uh, the word for brother in Italian is frate, like uh, fraternity, mm -hmm. frate, brotherhood. And uh, his name was uh, Frank, and my name was Vince. And at the end, when we wrapped the movie, we shot a lot of it in Sicily, uh, in New York. He gave me a solid gold uh, money clip. Wow. And it was engraved, and it said, uh, for, uh, for Vince, mi frate, love Frank. <laughs> so that sums it up. Yeah. yeah. Do you still have that? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. 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 Nice memento, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh -huh. Now, how did you get that part? Uh, was it something you had to audition? You know, we, uh, I had done a, a couple of movies. I'd done Synanon uh, uh, and uh, Stagecoach, mm -hmm. the remake of uh, Stagecoach, in which I played the Ringo Kid, which is the same part that John Wayne played in the original. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I'd been around, but then... Uh, uh, I did a TV show with George C. Scott, one of the best guys ever, and just a great actor. I had a great time with him. And uh, I think, if I remember correctly, the director, Martin Ritt, had seen that show. Mm -hmm. And that's how I got the part. They just, uh, they, I, I didn't do a screen test or anything. I don't really, I didn't read for it, but they did call me in to have a meeting with him. Uh, so he knew he wanted you that way. 
Well, yeah, I guess he did. You know, they, they were meeting a lot of actors, and I was just one of them. Oh, gosh, I don't know. I, I, I bet they met with at least 25 guys. Mm. And uh, I, just, I guess they, they just decided on me. Yeah. And um, now you also, you said you've been in a few movies, and, and you've worked with some really <laughs> uh, great actors and actresses. Uh, I mean, you worked with uh, Stella Stevens. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah several times. Yeah. Oh, really? Several times. Oh, I didn't yeah, know. Yeah, we did a couple of TV shows. It was Synanon, of course. Yeah. That was uh, that was really my first film, and uh, 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 we did the Fantasy Island. Oh, okay. And uh, a Love Boat. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh, Stella, uh, she's just one of the best. And I mean, that was a long time ago. Yeah. And I still fear. I went to a deal in uh, Branson, Missouri, which was a, kind of a collector's show where you go and sign autographs yep. and stuff. And uh, that was just about two years ago. And Stella was there looking like a million bucks. Mm. And uh, so we got to have dinner and stuff. It was just great. Oh, that's, that's and good. And not, not very long ago, uh, I also had the great privilege of working. I did a TV show with Gene Simmons that was directed by Sam Peckinpah. And uh, uh, just about, oh, I don't know, a month or so ago, we watched uh, The Ballad of Cable Hold with uh, Jason Robards and uh, Stella Stevens. Mm -hmm. That is such a good movie, and she was so good in that. It was just a pure delight to see her. Uh I love Stella Stevens. And you also worked with Anne Margaret? Yeah, she was in Stagecoach. Well, God, Stagecoach was loaded with uh, star power. It was Bing Crosby, uh, Van Heflin. Mm -hmm. uh, You know, I mean, I, I, I don't know how many people today know who Van Heflin was, but he was a great actor. Oh, yes. And uh, he was in Shane with Alan Ladd. And uh, let's see, uh, uh, Anne-Margaret, uh, Stephanie Powers was in it. Yes, I, I, I interviewed Stephanie a while back. Yeah? Yeah? Oh, she's a great pal. I've known Stephanie since she was a little whippersnapper. <laughs> Yeah, we did a, we did the Route 66 together. Oh, you did, yeah. Yeah, no, we go way way back. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and uh, uh, Mike Connors was in it. Red Buttons. Wow. Keenan Wynn. Jeez. Yeah, that was, that was loaded. That movie. It was just good. Slim Pickens played played the stagecoach driver. Jeez. Uh, oh. Robert Cummings. Wow, geez. Yeah, <laughs> that was loaded, that picture. Yeah, jeez. So, I, yeah, I, I was very, I, I've had a charmed life. <laughs> and I'm very grateful for it, and I don't ever take it for granted. Chuck Connors was one of my dearest friends. Oh, yeah, he, I, I always enjoyed him on The Rifleman and yeah, Branded. Yeah, he was in Synanon, my first movie. He and I had a hell of a knockdown, drag-out fight in that movie. <laughs> When we were filming that, that he and he was going to start a new series called Branded. Yep. And uh, he asked me if I would uh, do the opening 
episode of that with him, and I did. Oh, he was a pilot. Oh, I yeah, didn't know that. Yeah, a pilot, yeah. Yeah. And his friend was, uh, was uh, he was a cool guy. I miss him a lot. In fact, I, I did the eulogy at his uh, funeral. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. He was just a super guy. And great sense of humor. Mm-hmm. And one of the strongest guys you've ever met. Now, now, was he tall? I mean, he looked tall, yeah, you know. Yeah, he was about 6'4". Oh, wow, yeah. Yeah, he was a monster. <laughs> had a neck on him like a tree trunk. Wow. <laughs> and uh, we, we had to do this fight, and it was a real rough-and-tumble fight, uh, you know, throwing each other over trash cans and stuff. And, and at one point, it was all choreographed pretty well. Right, and, yeah. Uh, uh, but at one point, I was supposed to grab him by the throat and try to strangle him. So we were going through it beat by beat uh, in a slow rehearsal for the camera. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, so Chuck said to me at one point, he said, now, Alex, you know, when you, oh, and it was like I, I had to dive off this pile of trash cans and land with my uh, hands around his throat. And so he said, well, you know, when you do that, he said, you know, don't hesitate to really choke me. He said, to, you know, give me something to work off of, because I was just, you know, shaking it uh, during the rehearsal. So I thought, my God, I'm going to choke this <laughs> SOB. I'm really going to see if I can't kill him. <laughs> he said, I'll give him something to work off of. So, and then, as I say, we were pals. Yeah. So there was no real animosity there, but I, I thought, okay, you asked for it. So I dive off those trash cans, grab him by the throat, and I am not kidding you, Brian. I squeeze when I as soon as I had him by the throat, I realized it was having my like having my hands around a tree trunk. <laughs> I thought, Good God, and I just squeezed as hard as I could. <laughs> as hard as I could. And I've got big hands. And uh uh, uh and Chuck just grinned at me through the hole. <laughs> <laughs> and the truth was, there was no way that anybody could strangle him. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> you know, you'd have to have a piano wire around his neck to, uh, to strangle him. <laughs> he was just the greatest guy. In fact, he, uh, he gave me, uh, they had, I think, three in total of the rifles from the rifleman. I have one of them. Wow. Yeah, he gave me one. Yeah. That's something. <laughs> oh, we were we were pals. Yeah. Jeez. Great guy. Yeah, that that must be a collector's item, that's for sure. It is. Jeez. It is. I know a lot of guys was like that. Oh yeah. <laughs> now, um, when it came about getting the part of Archangel on Airwolf, um, was that something you were called in for or did you well, have to audition? Yeah, I, the way that went was uh they, uh, they, they had, you know, because it, it was a combination of the, the network and the studio, Universal and uh, the network, over NBC it was. Uh, and uh, so they had a list of names that, uh, of actors that would be acceptable to them. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was on that list. Uh, but I was one of several, not not a lot. I think there were only about three or four guys. 
And uh, uh, so uh, all I had to do for that was uh, I went in and met with uh, Don Belisario, mm -hmm. the enormously talented writer and producer. And oh, he he's directed, done. He directed the, the two-hour pilot. Yeah. He, he was a very talented guy. And I just went in and met with him, and we had a real nice conversation. And I don't think the conversation lasted more than a half hour. Hmm. And uh, that was it. I had the part. Jeez. Yeah. yeah. And you, you did such a good job on that because you, you, you looked, you know, your air about you was mysterious, and, and it, it worked really well. Well, you know, and, and it's to his credit, uh, uh, because he created that character, you know, mm -hmm. and you're right about that. There was he was an enigmatic guy, you know. You didn't know much about him in his private life or anything like that. Mm -hmm. He was a very mysterious guy. Yeah. Uh, but I had such fun playing that part. I loved playing it. Yeah. And uh, even got to ride my own polo pony in uh, one scene. Use it as a teaser at the beginning of the show. Of course, it's a polo riding a polo horse. Uh, but the the the, the, the part about that archangel character was that uh, he was such a neat character. Uh, obviously, very wealthy and powerful. Mm -hmm. Always riding around in a white limousine or a white Mercedes convertible if I was driving. But the limousines were all driven by beautiful women. <laughs> never the same one. And they were all dressed in white. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, uh, I mean, this guy had a good life. Yeah, it must have been a and tough I, job. <laughs> yeah. And I, I thought, man, my own life is nothing compared to what this emails we, we put on the website that uh, people could send me some emails to ask you questions. So I'd like to ask you a couple of them. I mean, obviously, I can't get, I mean, I got hundreds of emails, and I, I can't ask you them all, but uh, we've t picked a few out here. And uh, uh, Steve from California wrote in and asked if um, what it was like working with Ernest Borgnine and the rest of the people on the show, Airwolf. Well, Ernie is uh, uh, I, I don't even know where to start because he is, he's a total prince. Oh, really? I love the man. Mm -hmm. I love him as, uh, more than I love Stella Stevens. Mm -hmm. uh, we've worked together a lot, uh, not only on Airwolf, but we did a couple of movies together, a disaster film called uh, Fire, and we did one of the uh, Dirty Dozen sequels. Part of it we filmed in uh, Yugoslavia. And uh, so Ernie and I go back, uh, but uh, he was an absolute joy. And I'm in constant uh, touch with him. Oh, really? I was at his uh, 80, 85th birthday party. I was at his 90th birthday party. Uh, and uh, uh, he has just written a beautiful autobiography. Yes, yes. And, I mean, he sent me a copy of it because uh, I had sent him a signed copy of uh, my book, A Feather in the Rain. 
and he uh, actually wrote a comment for me, uh, you know, an endorsement, which is on the, you know, the cover of the book. Uh, he and Harrison Ford and, and a bunch of guys on there. But, so, I mean, we, we're very close, and we both have Italian backgrounds, and we both love to cook. So while uh, we were doing that show, whenever we had time, uh, we would socialize. I'd go to his house, or he'd come to my house, and we'd each uh, cook for each other. Mm-hmm. We know we, with our uh, uh, wife Tova, uh, wonderful, wonderful woman. So, uh, and Ernie is the uh, the consummate professional. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He comes to work. He not only knows what he's doing ready to go, uh, and you never have to drag him out of the dressing room or call him. He's right there, you know, 10 feet from the camera waiting to go on. Mm-hmm. So he loves, he loves his work. He's so professional and creative. I mean, I remember uh, uh, nights where we'd be shooting. One night in particular that comes to mind where it was, it was well past midnight. And we were at some hospital out there in Silmar where they had a big earthquake. And we were working out there, and everybody was dead tired. I mean, we'd been working all day, and here it was after midnight, and all we wanted to do was go home. But uh, Ernie and I had one more scene to do, and it was not a big scene, but just a little walking down a hallway talking to each other. And uh, so... When it was getting close to the time that I knew they were going to call us, I went over to his uh, trailer and uh, you know, said, Ernie, uh, you want to run the lines? He said, yeah, you know. And now he's all pumped up full of energy, and we start to run the lines and stuff. And it was a pretty basic little scene, just walking and talking, nothing special. But he had a couple of ideas. You know, and uh, I don't remember what they were now, but I remember being so impressed by his enthusiasm that he was coming up with creative ideas, you know, like, well, what about if I do this or if I say it this way? What do you think about that? Yeah. And and he'd ask you, you know, uh, what you think about what, what he was thinking of. So it wasn't like, you know, let's do it this way. Yeah, you yeah. Know, you know, do you like this idea? So, I mean, hey, you cannot help but love this guy. And for my money, he's had one of the greatest careers in all of Hollywood history. When you think about the movies that he's done, the people that he's worked with, and the character range of performances from Marty to Mikhail's Navy Mm -hmm. to the baddest heavy in From Here to Eternity, yep. <laughs> Bad Day at Black Rock with Spencer Tracy. And I mean, and here he is, he's about, I think he's 92 or 93 years old yep. now, and he's still working. Oh, yes, yeah. I mean, that guy, I bowed down to Ernie Borgman. Mm-hmm. He is a love of all time. What a great man. Yeah. <laughs> 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, I got another email here from Karen in Quebec, Canada, and she wants to know, is was Airwolf filmed on location or on a set? Well, it depends. Both. Both, yeah. Yeah, the house was a set. Mm-hmm. The big log house. Yeah. That was on a stage at Universal. But a lot of the exterior stuff was filmed out in the desert at a place called uh, Vasquez Rock in California. Uh-huh. So a lot of it was uh, on location. So you had to travel quite a bit for that show then. Yeah, you know, it, it, it never uh, very, very far. The uh, opening sequence where uh, Jan is playing the cello out there on a dock on a lake. Yes, yeah. Uh, that was up there in uh, uh, sort of Bear, uh, Bear Mountain. Yeah, Bear Mountain, Arrowhead, one of those Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but both. But the uh, the log house, Jan's house, was uh, a gorgeous set on, uh, on uh, the stage at Universal. I mean, that was a house I would that would have been my dream house. Really? <laughs> if I had about ten million dollars, I'd build that house. <laughs> that was a great yeah. set. I, I, in fact, I just watched uh, before you know doing the interview here uh, about a week ago. I uh, watched that uh, opening episode of uh, Airwolf just so I could refresh my memory and everything, and uh, uh-huh. it was a good show. I liked that show. Oh, it was a hell of a good show. Yeah, God, yeah. it was a great show. And the only uh, reason that it didn't go longer than it did was uh, all to do with uh, uh, politics. Uh, between the studio and the network. Oh, really? Yeah, it was all, there was a change of power uh, at one of the networks, and uh, that that was the main, the main deal, that uh, there was a lot of animosity going on between the, the executives of this uh, power chain. Mm-hmm. And uh, the one guy with the show that the other guy had created. Mm, Too many egos getting in the way, I think. (laughs) We were victims of uh, of, uh, network politics. Yeah, yeah, sure. Nielsen ratings? Huh? The yeah. Nielsen ratings? Yeah, right. The, it tells you how many people are watching. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they were, they were just fine. That was a hit show. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, and you wonder why, you know, things like yeah, that happen. Well, that, that's why it was all politics. Huh. Now, uh, then later on, you, you also did, um, well, before and after, you did, uh, you appeared in both Mission Impossibles, the original 70s classic. Yeah. And the 80s? 
Did you notice a big difference between uh, the whole style of the show, uh, you know, between the two, the one in the 70s and the one in the 80s? Yeah, yeah, yes, there, there was a difference, yeah. yeah. I, I can't, I don't know how I would describe the difference, but uh, there, there was a difference. Yeah. Now, another show that, remarkably, it didn't make it, past the pilot as far as I know uh, was Genesis 2 mm-hmm. and now that show uh, it seems to, even though it's got one episode it seems like the internet has made it into sort of a cult thing um, yeah. it's, it's amazing that uh, a show, and, and, and there again I watched part of it on the internet uh, to see, you know, to get refresh my memory because it's been a long time since I've seen that one and uh, that was a good show. <laughs> it was a good show. Well, you know, it was created by Gene Roddenberry. Right, yeah. And you know, he created uh, Star Trek. Yep. Uh, so there was a lot of talent involved in that. I thought it was a good show, yeah. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. In fact, uh, they they uh, they try, took a second shot at it. Oh, they did? Yeah, they did it again. Uh, and they did it with... Uh, uh, I believe it was John Saxon uh, mm-hmm. played my part. Yeah, I remember John Saxon. Yeah, they, I think that uh, that that's what, yeah. So uh, they try they tried it again. I guess, I guess maybe they felt that uh, uh, that they couldn't sell it with me, so that maybe they could sell it with uh, John Saxon. Hmm. That's the only thing I can think of. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know, usually you would think that with Gene Roddenberry behind it, that it would have taken off. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was going to go, and I thought it was a pretty good premise too. Yeah. Now, you also, uh, along with your your rodeo stuff and and, and uh, your acting, you've gone into writing too, right? Yeah, I have been. Uh, you know, well, like I started to tell you early on, I was always interested in uh, the written word, and. Uh, I guess uh, uh, somewhere way back now, back quite a long ways, maybe I don't know how many years ago, but I started to write down some things. uh, People always uh, liked it when I would tell a story. Yeah. They always, I always was complimented as being a good storyteller. So. I started to write a few things, and uh, then one day uh, I was living up in the Carmel Valley in California on a little ranch that I leased up there, and I had kind of dropped out. Everybody that I knew in Hollywood was into drug scenes. Uh, I got to where I could, and I was in, uh, you know, on a fast track there. I'd go to all the parties and stuff, and. Uh, seemed like I, when I'd go to a party, I could tell, I could almost finish everybody's sentence. Oh, really? You know, I mean, I got to know what they were going to be talking about, and I, I, I 
just got to a point where I, I felt uh, it was a shallow existence. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, when I was a kid, I mean, the thought of being a movie star was you know, just fantasy yeah. at the time. And here I was, you know, I was right in the heart of it. And all of these movie magazines and dating all the pretty girls and stuff. And w one day I just kind of woke up and thought, this isn't it. What I thought it was doing, it's not what I really want for my life. And I was uh, so I had a couple of horses, and uh, I went up to the Carmel Valley to visit a friend up there who was living up there, and I became so enchanted by that place. I thought, Wow, I want to be here. And uh, so I asked the guy if I could come back and visit him again, and I went back within ten days hung out with him, and uh, I said, you know, I want to find a place up here, uh, you know, something I can rent and live up here for a while. And I just loved Monterey, and that whole coast, yeah. Sur and all of that. And uh, so I went up, uh, and so we, he, he, he was a big hiker, this guy. And he'd hike in the mountains and stuff. And so one day we were hiking down, we'd come down out of the hills and we're on this little tar road out there in the back end of the Carmel Valley, a place called Kachawa, and uh, run into a guy who's standing by his mailbox out by the road, and John knew him, you know, so we stopped and chatted a little bit and introduced us to him, and, uh, and the guy said, uh, oh yeah, he said, John, uh, you know, I got I've got to uh, rent my place out because uh, I can't be coming down here as much. We had a, another house up in uh, San Francisco, which is where he lived. And he said, so if you hear of anybody, you know, keep your eye peeled. I, uh, I'd like to rent my place. And we're standing on this road, and I'm looking down through the trees, and there's this beautiful little redwood house down in there and with a creek running in front of it. And I said, well, what, is that the place you're talking about right there? It was about maybe oh, 50 yards back off the road. Mm -hmm. And uh, he said, yeah. I said, well, what's it like? He said, well, it's got a big living room and two bedrooms and two bathrooms and stuff. I said, well, how much do you need to get for that? And I don't remember what the hell it was, but it was... It was a bargain. You know, I, I think it might have been like 350 bucks a month or something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that seems to ring a bell. But, uh, I mean, this was a long time ago. But anyway, I said, uh, I said, I'll take it. <laughs> he said, what? He said, don't you want to see it? I said, yeah, I want to see it, but I want you to know that I'm taking it. <laughs> whether I see it or not. Wow. So uh, uh, I said, don't go anywhere. John's place was about, oh, less than a mile down the road. So I said, you guys wait right here. I'm going to run back down the road here because I've got my checkbook in, the, in my car. And that's what I did. I ran down there, got the checkbook, came back up, and 
I said, okay, show me around inside. So we go go down into the house, and while we're looking around in there, I got the checkbook out, and I wrote him out a check for the first and last month's rent or whatever, or hmm. or whatever. Yeah. And that was it. So I moved up there, dropped out of the Hollywood scene entirely. Yeah. And uh, I was collecting unemployment in Monterey. I'd go to, I'd go in, and this was after I'd starred in these movies. Right, yeah. And, and, uh, 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 so I, I, I led a hermit's existence up there, and, uh, but loved it. I mean, nature, wonderful. And, uh, so I sat down, I had an idea about it, uh, I wanted to write a book. I wanted to see if I could do it. Yeah. And if I had the uh, discipline to do it. And I did. By God, I sat there. I didn't even know how to type. <laughs> I wrote it longhand on yellow legal tablets. Yeah. And I. it took me about a year, and I got the whole book written from beginning to end. Then I tried to get somebody to type it up for me, and she couldn't read it. <laughs> so I had to teach myself how to type. Wow. And then I sat down. That was pretty laborious. You didn't have uh, computers where you, you know, could make a mistake. Right. You could correct it. <laughs> anyway, I managed to end up get the whole thing typed up in a way that I, I could at least hand it to a professional and make it do a good job on it, which I did. And I called my agent in uh, California, and I was with a big agency there, and they had a literary department. And I said, uh, you know, I've got this book, and I talked to somebody in the literary department. I did. They put me on to a woman in New York, Erica Spellman. And I said, you know, I've got this book. Can I send it to you? Yeah, okay. And I know that she was just doing it because of my name as an actor. Mm -hmm. You know, and I could tell that she had no enthusiasm at all about reading a book written by an actor. <laughs> So I send her the book. She reads the thing and calls me back very quickly. I mean, like within oh, less than two weeks' time. Really quick. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, she said, "I really like your book a lot, and I have a friend who's an editor at uh, uh, Warner Books, and with your permission, I'd like to send it to him and uh, see what his opinion is of it." She said, "Fine." She sends it to him. She calls me back and she said, they want to publish your book. Wow. Now, every writer friend that I had hated me from that moment. <laughs> they said, you got to be kidding. You're going to get a book published and you send it to one agent, send it to one publisher. Yep. That's what happened. Now, was that, that, was that Sansong? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That was Sansong. Right. Yeah. Writer, a hell of a lot better than I talk. <laughs> uh, and uh, 
feather in the rain is something I'm really proud of and uh, working very hard on getting a movie made of that. Oh, really? And, yeah. Yeah, and uh, in fact, I'm making some really good progress. And uh, I just sent it uh, to a director for whom I have the utmost respect. And this director uh, directed a movie that I saw a couple of years ago. I'm not going to say the name mm -hmm, uh, yeah. of anything yet because this is all just taken place yeah. in the past week. Oh, wow. And uh, I had to send uh, the book, and uh, I wrote a screenplay as well for it and a DVD on uh, cutting horses. Because I saw a lot of the whole background is uh, Texas cutting horse trainer. Uh, and uh, it's very personal. Uh, you, you ought to get a hold of it. Yeah, well, I was going to say, is is it available? That uh, oh, where yeah, people, where available. can people get it? You can get it. Uh, it's called a feather in the rain, mm -hmm. and it's available on uh, Amazon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Barnes and Noble can get it, but the easiest way to get it is the publisher put up a website, and you can order it directly from them oh. by just typing in uh, alexcord.com. Mm -hmm. And that'll take you right to the website. Okay, what I'll do is I'll put a link on my website when we post this and uh, so people can get, go get it if they want. Yeah, it, uh, and it's gotten great reviews. And, but the, uh, the website, uh, there is a web, another website for me, which is alexcord.com. Mm -hmm. uh, that, but that's a thing that a fan put together. It's a nice website. But yeah. The alexcord.net is uh, the one that just talks about the book. It tells all about it, so one can read ab about it and the uh, uh, and about the you know the endorsements. I mean, I've got endorsements from Harrison Ford and wow. uh, uh, Thomas McGuane, who is one of the best writers in America. Mm -hmm. uh, McIntyre, Ernie Borgnine wrote me, said it's the best love story he's ever read. Hmm. And, uh, anyway, uh, hmm. so yeah, um, and I have such high hopes right now because this director actually asked to, uh, for me to send the material to, to their home. Uh, and uh, this person would say yes, they want to direct it, and I would be in heaven. Mm, yeah, wow, geez. That, then uh, there's a real good chance of getting a deal. Wow, yeah, I wish you luck with that. Yeah, I'll Jeez. tell you, I've got, I'm holding my breath here. Because it, uh, it's a, a woman, I'll say that much. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, and uh, she lives in Ireland. So I had to send it off there, so she doesn't even have it yet, oh, because yeah. it takes so damn long to get it there. Right, yep. <laughs> but, but I was stupid. I could have sent it through, uh, I sent it, you know, through priority mail as fast as it would go. Yeah. But somebody told me, why didn't you send it with, is it something called, is it DHL or something like that? Um, yeah, that's... 
it's like a, a UPS type thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could have done that. Yeah. I didn't think of that. Yeah. <laughs> Which would have gotten it there at least a little faster. Right. Yeah. You know, but the mail thing, even though it cost me like fifty bucks to send it, is <laughs> uh, only going to. They said it would take about a week. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's got to go through customs and all. That. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, we'll keep our fingers crossed for you on that really? one. Really? Yeah. yeah. So, Alex, I wanted to step uh, in, in, and go on to one more thing before we finish up here. Yeah. Um, and it, it seems like lately uh, I've had chances to interview a lot of people who have won the Golden Boot Award. Yeah. And you are one of those people who, who have won that in the past. Yes, I sure did. That was a big deal. <laughs> yeah. That was really fun because uh, it puts me in a a group uh, of legendary characters. Mm, yeah. Guys, you name them. Uh, Charlton Heston, uh, uh, Charlie Bronson. Uh, oh, my God. Clint Eastwood won one, didn't he? Yeah, Clint. And, yeah. Uh, oh, God, the list just goes on and on and on. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and my dear friend Bob Fuller. Yes, yes. We, uh, we interviewed Bob. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, I also interviewed uh, Martin Cove, who who won yeah. one. Yeah, Marty is a good guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so it, it, I'm right up there with Chuck Connors, one, one Oh, it's an endless, it's a big, long list. In fact, they're running out of guys to give it to now. Well, the, the Westerns, they, they need to bring back the Western. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. There's no question about it. Well, you know, every once in a while, somebody tries. Right. Uh, You know, I got to say that uh, uh, I thought Kevin Costner did a really good job on uh, Open Range. Yes, that was a good movie. That was a good movie. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and, uh, Ed Harris did a really good job of directing uh, Appaloosa. Yes, yes. That was a a recent movie, too. Yeah. Yeah, And that was less than, I don't know. About a year ago. Right, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I watch them all the time. You know, I get the Western Channel here. Yep. And whenever I get a chance to. Uh, oh, you know what was on last night? Last night. I caught, and I caught it right from the beginning, and I was so tickled. Was my darling Clementine. Oh, really? Yeah, John <laughs> Ford. Yeah, I haven't seen that for years. Oh my God, Henry Fonda and Victor Mature played Doc Holliday, hmm. and I kept comparing him to Val Kilmer, <laughs> uh, who I thought did a masterful job in uh, Tombstone. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, Doc Holliday. In fact, I nominate. I'm a, I, I'm a member of the uh, Academy, oh. so I get to vote on the Academy Awards and. Um, Mm-hmm. Uh, I nominated him for the Academy Award for that. Ah, yeah. But, uh, it didn't happen, but it should have. Mm-hmm. It was a brilliant performance. Yeah. Uh, well, great movie. Alex, I, I, this has been fascinating, and I, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Oh, it's my pleasure. Yes. I enjoyed it. <laughs>
again, I want to thank Alex Cord so much for sharing time with us. Uh, he's such an interesting guy, a lot of great stories. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, thank you for listening, and uh, hope you'll keep listening, because in the coming weeks, we have some really great guests coming your way. And uh, it just seems like every time I start thinking, oh, well, I'm not going to be able to get a, get a guest, and, and all of a sudden, bang, we get some. And we got some really good ones coming up. Uh, next week, of course, uh, we're heading into the holiday, uh, Halloween week, and we we got a guest that, you know, is just going to blow you away. He's got some great stories, and it's all right here on On Screen and Beyond. So until then, this is Brian saying take care. Mm-hmm.